Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. Listen, this is going to be a podcast in the beginning for everybody, right? You like Ohio State football? You want to listen to it? Yeah, hey, you'll enjoy it. We're going to talk about a player that we're excited for 2021, but we're not sure what they're going to do in 2020 or whenever the Buckeyes get on the field. I'm going to go after the chicken wing guy in Nebraska who got all kinds of unwarranted attention. And we're going to talk about what it was like this past Saturday not to have a game. We're going to talk about some of our favorite game day memories, what we sort of missed about game day. Nathan and I will do that. Steven, not with us. He'll be back on Tuesday. And then we'll take a break. And in the second half, we'll talk more about the thing we've talked about for six weeks or however long it's been. And if you're tired of that, and some of our texters are, then you're not going to miss anything because we're not doing anything else. So the second half is all, well, what if they play then? Well, what if they don't play then? Well, what have we heard, which is not much? Well, what's going to change? We don't know. Well, what could I? I don't know. We don't know. Does Nathan know? No, he doesn't know. Do I know? No, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of that. So if you want that, stick around after the break. But there are some of you who are sick of that. And frankly, on some level, Nathan and I are sick of that. But we still, you know, we asked for questions from the texters. We said, listen, it's a Monday pod. We can't mark anything down. Can you help us out? And a lot of the questions are about when are they going to play and what do we know? So I have a little bit more. I have a little bit of sort of, it's not really intel, but it's sort of like what I think about stuff. Hasn't changed a ton. But in the beginning, we're going to do something else. Nathan, you're going to build a fence. Are you building? No, you're not building the fence. You're building the fence on Monday. Fence building yeah. Monday. Not mark right. it down Monday. Build it up Monday. Yeah, it's like stake it down Monday. We're putting some some stakes in the ground and and putting up a. I wouldn't call it a fence. I'd put it. I'd call it a dog barrier because it's basically to keep our puppy and then any other kind of critter that might be rolling through the Greater Berwick uh, area out of our garden that we have we're throwing in some some late fall crops some hardy leafy things some parsnips and carrots and that sort of thing and then we'll have a full-blown thing every summer but since we've got the day tomorrow hopefully unless it gets interrupted by whatever um, it's a holiday i don't think they'll interrupt it but yeah i i would be surprised so yeah i think most of my day tomorrow is going to be pretending that i'm have some kind of carpentry skills and, and putting this fence together See, that's strange that you pretend to have them. I just admit that I don't have them and I don't, I don't do anything. I've been, I've been coming along, you know, once you start, once you own a house, maybe you feel differently, but I feel like once you own a house, you have to learn some things or 
This is going to make for a great video, by the way. False. I'm not recording this part. Sorry. False. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, this, uh, you, you have to learn some things just because False. then you, I don't want to pay people to come do every Why little not? thing. So like, Why not? I, uh, because I'm a cheap. So I, I want to, so like, That's I know how to install a toilet. I know how to install False. a toilet. Um, although I did give myself pink eye one time doing that. I know how to install flooring. I've installed flooring in bunches of rooms. Um, those sorts of things. So I think we can do this. My, my, my wife, uh, her dad is a architect and she's fairly handy. She grew up in a pretty handy home and she loves these projects. So I think she gets to kind of carry the load and I just help. You got pink eye from installing a toilet, which means you got so much poop in your own eyes that you gave yourself pink eye. Cause that's how you, that's what, that's how you get pink eye, right? I don't think it takes a lot. I think it's, it's quality it takes over quantity. Some. It takes I think it's just, some. It's, just, it's not like you're taking handfuls of poop and rubbing it in your eyes while you're installing a toilet. It's like poop particles. It's just like there's poop particles around the toilet. Man, this is gonna this is an award winning podcast already. Like there's just there's <laughs> poop particles, the particles around the toilet. Buckeye when you talk. You pull the toilet up, it disturbs the particles into the air, and you get some. And next thing you know, I would hire an, an a professional toilet puller upper to do that because. But I've installed like. In my life now, I've installed, I would say, four or five toilets, and that's the only one that's ever given me pink eye. Does that mean – so are you going around to strangers' houses, or you're the guy if family members need a toilet? Well, like multiple installed? houses, yeah. I've lived in multiple places over – And every time. time you buy a house, you have to put in a new toilet? No, but, well, it's not, it's not always getting a new toilet. Sometimes um, I've replaced flooring in multiple bathrooms, and when you do that, you have to take the toilet up sometimes – to then put the flooring down beneath it and then put the same toilet back with a new ring and everything. So I'm going to set, I'm going to say that I would set the over under on toilet installations for most people in their lives at one and a half. So I think you are way over at four or five. That is uh, we'll, we'll ask the texters six, one, four, three, five, Oh, three, three, one, five. All right, let's get out of football from the five, one, seven. You guys may have answered this before, but what will you guys miss most about game days? And what will you miss most about football season in general? This is assuming that Ohio State still waits and plays in November or January. So listen, so this was supposed to be the opening weekend. They were supposed to play Bowling Green on Saturday and the revised schedule. They were supposed to have played at Illinois on last Thursday. They didn't. Um, I did not watch any other college football. Did you watch college football on Saturday? Did you watch Arkansas State or Army or something? I watched Arkansas State, Memphis. Why? I watched um... – why? Because I had why? something. I'm writing this column for Monday. I figured I should watch some kind of. Oh, it's for football. work. That's good. Um, okay. Yeah, it was. It's my profession. Um, and I watched some stuff earlier in the day, but not with as much uh, attention or purpose. And even 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 that Arkansas Memphis game, I was kind of watching some other things. And it got like very much in the fourth quarter of that game. I was like, maybe if they put this away, I can flip it over and watch uh, West Wing reruns or whatever it was. I ended up watching. Uh, while doing other projects before I went to bed. There is no sport that I enjoy that I enjoy watching it enough to be played poorly. So I, I, I mean, like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I, I know like all the college football writers in the world were like, Oh, I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't watch central Arkansas. You couldn't pay me to watch that, but what will you miss? What did you miss about being in? And, and I will say this again, I don't particularly I mean, I, I, why would I not be anything other than honest? It's like the you know college football writers who are like, oh, I can't wait till college football season. I'm always like, oh, I like summer. I'm, I don't know. Like, I like going on vacation and be with my family. So it's like, you know, the fall is work, and I understand our fans like it and stuff, but it's like, I don't, I don't want to be in a random stadium on a Saturday. So what did we miss about being in Ohio Stadium? Because in Ohio Stadium, we're there for the fans that we care about 
covering a team that we know a lot about, that we're curious about, that we know is going to be good, but how good? So not random Stadium X, Ohio Stadium, which is what matters to the people listening to this. What did you miss about not being in Ohio Stadium on Saturday? I mean, I fall is my favorite season. This doesn't really apply yet. It's not really fall yet, but like eventually that's what's I think going to hit me when you get into those like perfect October afternoons and that you're supposed to be at a football game. And instead you're just at home watching other people play football games. I think that's going to hit a little bit. The other thing is, and this, I guess this isn't totally about Ohio stadium, but it is about covering Ohio state. It's that, and I mentioned this, I think in the text that I sent out where I mentioned this, um, you're, you're in the center of the football universe and that didn't so much hit me that bad this past Saturday. Cause it's just kind of like, it's, it's, it's group of five games. It's, it's mid-major. It's, it's, it, it doesn't really seem like the big time. I think once the ACC and Big 12 start playing this next weekend, and then certainly when the SEC comes in after that, and now real big-time football is being played and Ohio State is not, and we, the, the, by that, by extension, we are not then involved with big-time football, I think that's going to hit a little bit because you're, you're just so – so much of the football universe is looking at you. You, you felt it last year with – Chase Young and when he had like the huge game against Wisconsin or when Justin Fields is doing things or, or other people like you big games and you, like, you felt that Ohio State was this important thing that other people around the country are looking at and I feel like some weekends are going to start coming up where Ohio State's just it I mean they're an afterthought right because they're not playing not to our people but I'm saying nationally it's an afterthought and been the by extension we're not as uh, tied in on what's what's happening in college football. I miss the equipment truck. I like pulling up and taking a photo of the visiting equipment truck because I think equipment trucks are cool. And I like to see the design on them and how big they are and how shiny they are. And I always tweet that out, so I miss doing that. Uh, I miss the spectacle. I, I don't walk around before every game, but a couple times a year for sure I will. I'll go over into the Blackwell Hotel and say hello to some of the parents and watch him walk down the steps. I know last year, Nathan, you and Steven split that up. It's like you see him go come out of the black well and go over to the skull session. And it's, it's a spectacle. And, you know, there's people out milling around and there's little food, you know, food areas. And, you know, the radio stations are set up broadcasting and um, the scene, right? I mean, it's the scene. And I think um, it's one of the better scenes in college football for sure. And it's easy to take for granted. Right. I mean, it's easy to take for granted, but then you think about it and it's like, man, there's not a lot of places like this. I, I think I've told this story in this podcast before when I lived in Delaware and worked there for eight years, my wife's family's from Iowa and we would drive and go see her family. And, and one time, one of the falls, or I don't even know what, maybe it was in the summer. I don't remember when it was, but we were driving through Columbus on I-70. I was like, you know what, can we get off here? Cause I just kind of, I've never seen Ohio stadium and I kind of like, would like to see it because I don't know, I'm a sports writer and I kind of like to see famous places. And we just like drove up 315 to Ohio stadium. So I could like stand in the parking lot and like walk around it for five minutes. And it's like, Oh yeah. Now for the last 15 years, like I've had that place as an office for seven or eight Saturdays of fall. So um, I miss the band. I miss the band halftime show, like what they're going to come up with because they're nuts and I can't believe the cool stuff they do. And I love, um, thinking something about a team and then trying to find out if you're right or not. And not even from a sports writer's perspective, it's what every fan does, which is why I feel like, I, I mean, I didn't feel the coronavirus on this podcast for the last six months because we were doing the same thing we would have done the whole time. 
which is talk about the season to come. And now we're finally at a different spot, which is the season came and our team didn't play. The team that we covered didn't play. So who won the right tackle job? I was really curious to see whether Paris Johnson or Nicholas Petit Frere was going to win it. I was really curious to see how Harry Miller looked on the offensive line starting. I was really curious to see what Garrett Wilson looked like in the slot. I was really curious to see whether Josh Proctor or Marcus Hooker started back there as the free safety and how often were they going to play one safety or two safeties. I was really curious whether Seven Banks or Cam Brown was really going to look like the next guy up at corner and what Sean Wade was going to look like on the outside. I was really curious who's going to be the best pass rusher. Probably Zach Harrison, maybe Tyreek Smith. Does someone come from, is it Jonathan Cooper has a great last year? Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyler Friday. How good is Trey Sermon? Am I totally wrong on Trey Sermon? And he looks better than J.K. Dobbins. Or do you say, oh, man, I don't know about that. And does Justin Fields look like the best player in college football? I love trying to guess the answers to those things. But at some point, you don't want to guess anymore. So it's like, what do you miss about game days? I miss the answers to the questions. I love the offseason. And I love asking the questions because I love coming up with different ways to ask them. And I love having the tech subscribers suggest ways to ask. It's all the same thing in the end, which is who's going to be good. Who's going to play for the Buckeyes. Who's going to be good for the Buckeyes and how good overall are they going to be? That's the only three questions really. And now that we're at answer time, and we're still in question time, that's what stunk about not having a game day on Saturday to go to. And I would imagine people listening to this are, are feeling that same thing because I want to know if Paris Johnson was going to beat out Nicholas petit Frere, and I wish I had a, an answer to that question right now. Well, it's, it's not even question time. It's not even the good kind of question time because question time is also the immediate preseason right before season. At least we're getting to like occasionally maybe see some things or talking to some people. We're getting some intel. You're learning things about the players that are answering the questions. Maybe it's not even immediate. It's sort of a slow but sure build. And right now it's the same exact questions we were asking in March and there is no new intel. Like they're not practicing really. I mean, they are, but they're not really not in the way that you prepare for a season, not in a way that answers the questions. So that is, a, you're right. I, not, now that you, I didn't maybe articulate it the same way, but um, I miss the analysis. I miss the, like the work that we do. Like we're, we're in this kind of suspended animation right now. We can't, we were trying, but there's a certain amount of the, the basic work that we like to do that we can't really do or do very well right now because the, the team is not progressing towards those answers. And I do, um, I am very much, I think, a appreciate the moment while it's happening kind of guy. I actually, I said like, oh, you take it for granted. I, I, I don't take it, any of it for granted. I don't, I've never taken it for granted. And I don't take it for granted when you're down on the field before a game and you're watching the guys warm up and you look up and there's 100,000 people there. And like, I don't take that for granted that like, that's what, that's what it's like at the place where I cover football. I don't take that for granted for one second. So listen, I'm, we're not trying to make you sad listening to this because um, it's going to be okay. I mean, it's going to be back, you know? I mean, it's going to be back. It's, it it's going to be okay in the end. And, I, and there's somewhere in here I, I would like to write something that is like, everybody's going to be fine, really. You really are because it stinks right now. But that's going to be back. It's not like it's gone. It's not gone. It's, it, it'll be around. So that's what I miss on, on game day. And so now this is a, this is a, a connected question. To that from our wonderful tech subscribers who ask wonderful questions from the 619. 
Nathan said the other day that game day can be pretty hectic for you guys during a regular season, but that he was definitely feeling the void on Saturday. What are some of your favorite game day memories? It doesn't have to be just covering Buckeye football. It can be any place that you've covered sports. So Nathan, is there, is there an Ohio state one from your first season on the beat last year that stands out for you? And then what else over the course of your career has been a moment when you've been at a game and been like, yeah, this is awesome. Nothing that like, cause last year for me was just such a learning experience. I think um, I, I was always just trying to catch up to all these other people, uh, including the people I work with as far as what, what's going on and what they knew. So I don't know that I had that experience so much last year, other than I guess maybe just kind of the, as you're saying, like the spectacle of it, the sheer magnitude of it sometimes was um, an interesting thing to behold. I, I think one of the things that we also miss too right now is um, all the people we work with, you know, some of them, I guess we, we are more friendly with than others, but there's a the camaraderie there. And I definitely have felt that like through the years, like you would, you would show up on Saturdays and you're showing up like two, two and a half hours before a game sometimes because you've got obligations or you've got other work you've got to do, but you're all kind of in that same boat. So you're all talking, you're chatting. Um, even when you're like all waiting for, to talk to the same person, you're just kind of, um, ha- having those conversations after the game. Sometimes you're going someplace, you're hanging out meals, drinks, whatever, like that, that, that sort of stuff I miss too. And I, everybody misses that in general right now, or most of us, I guess, that aren't maybe participating in those things. But I definitely miss that part of the job, kind of the camaraderie part of the job right now. I don't miss those people at all. I know you don't. I know you don't. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I mean, the people that I miss, I text. So I'm good. Other than that, I'm, I'm good. No offense to anybody. Nobody misses me either. Um, so favorite game day memories. I will say um, you knew it in the moment, but the entire experience around the 2006 number one versus number two Ohio State-Michigan game, going to the, um, the Dead Shem Beckler's concert, uh, I think it was on the Thursday night, but Woody, no, excuse me, but Bo had died that morning. And so for that night, they changed their name because their name was, was the Dead Shem Beckler's and now Bo Schembechler was dead. Yeah. And they, I think they called themselves the bastard sons of Woody that night when they played, but um, we'll go in and watch them perform, but also being there, like just the idea of like Bo died, Bo died like the day, days before, right before this historic game and like being at, at Ohio stadium as Michigan got there and came off the bus and trying to talk to people about Michigan fans. Some Michigan fans were there to greet them and the Michigan guys coming off the bus and being like, and talking to them like Bo died. Um, and then covering that game and Troy doing the, the bull, the charging bull senior day moment with his hand in the air and swiping his feet along the ground. And I always do like being down there on the field. I'm not, I haven't been down there every senior day, but when you are down on the field on senior day, and it's the moment and you realize this is it for these guys. They've, they've experienced this for three or four or five years with all these fans and they aren't going to be able to do this again. And, and that moment there with their families, but that Tro- Troy doing that, I won't forget. And, and I think I've told this story before too. This is a little bit of a weird one, but 2013 on the road, and there's a lot of great experiences with Ohio state on the road because you get to go cover cool games, but also because Ohio state fans travel so well and being at the Cal game, and the crowd was like two thirds Ohio state fans, like in San Francisco, like I'm literally on the other side of the country. And um, I, I, I was taking a leak uh, in the bathroom right before the game. And Tom Herman, the offensive coordinator was in there with me at the same time. And, uh, and he was just like, can you believe this? And it was a guy who was fairly new to Ohio state 
And he just was dumbfounded by the idea that we were in Northern California and it looked like an Ohio State home game. And like that idea, that idea of like how wide ranging this fan base is and that they're everywhere. And I mean, there's people listening to this right now who are probably at that game because they live in California or because they pick a road game that they want to go to. And, and that was a great experience. And so like those moments on the road, when you realize, man, you know, like this is a thing. And then it's sometimes afterwards, sometimes these crowded game day moments, a lot of times it's when you're on the road and maybe they've pulled out an interesting win and you're jammed into this, the visiting press room in the big 10 is often tiny Penn state, super tiny, Iowa, tiny, Illinois, tiny, and you're jammed in there, you're sweating. There's all these Ohio State media there. It's 10 times bigger than most traveling media crews. And you're just like in the moment and you're trying to get your question in and there's like an energy in the room. And there's just a lot of energy around this program, Nathan, which I think you, you probably would recognize that even, you know, sometimes I say they're boring good a lot. I say that all the time. You know, winning a game by 40 is like, you know, great for the program and certainly fans like it, but like, it's not that exciting, Right. But when they've played like a tough game or pulled one out and you feel that energy and the way guys are talking about it afterward, um, and then you want to like run up, you either want to run out. I like it like when we're standing on, we're talking a lot, but people are asking for our stories, right? The question was like, tell a story, right? I'm okay to talk this long. Tell a story. Uncle Doug, tell us a story. And you want to take that energy. You feel that energy. You see something happen. Okay, these guys that we covered just did this. Let's get in there. We're jammed in there. We're sweating. Let's talk to them about them. Wow, they said this about what they did. I can't go. I can't wait to go share that. Let's go. I love being out on a field, the empty field, before we go back up to the press box, shooting a video and being like, this is just what we learned about this game that now we want to tell you. And then let's get up there and start pounding out some stories. There's an energy to that. And listen, man, I'm old. I don't generate a lot of energy on my own. I need like other people to help me generate that energy, but I enjoy that feeling, Nathan. I mean, I think it's what you sort of talked to. We sort of talked about in the last answer, but it's like, you get that, the juice, you absorb the juice. Buckeye talk, you absorb the juice. And so um, I appreciate that all the time. And then another game day memory, I just want to share this very quickly. And again, it's the same kind of thing. Before I, I came to Ohio, I worked in, uh, in Wilmington, Delaware for eight years. I covered Philadelphia sports there. And I was there for a stretch where the Philadelphia Eagles, who had not been to a Super Bowl in a long time, they made three straight NFC championship games before in the fourth, they finally won the NFC championship game and made the Super Bowl. But they had these, these just incredibly energetic NFC championship games um, that they kept losing. They lost to Tampa Bay one year. They lost to Atlanta one year. They lost to Carolina one year, but I missed that because my daughter was being born. And then they made it. I can't remember who they beat when they made it, but I covered, they lost to Tampa Bay. And I was in the, the Buccaneers locker room after a game and it's jammed in there. The visiting locker rooms in these sports venues, a lot of places are very jammed, very cramped, even in like the NFL. So we're all crammed in this visiting locker room and the Bucks had won and Warren Sapp comes out and Warren Sapp just got out of the shower. You guys know what Warren Sapp looks like. And the only thing that he is using to cover his body at all is a pink washcloth. That is, that is the size of a napkin and not an unfolded napkin. I mean, it is minute, and it is crowded. And Warren Sapp, with a pink towel size of a napkin, like, is trying to get to his locker, and I'm between him and his locker. <laughs> and Warren Sapp went across me like, 
like, excuse me. And I got a broadside of war. Now, this is Super Bowl. You know, he's going to the Super Bowl. He's excited. And he has to go get changed. So I'm in the way. It's my bad. But I can feel Warren Sapp, like, sliding across me to get to his locker. And I tell you what, I mean, how can you match that game day experience, Nathan? So yeah, for those of you who uh, who just tuned in, these are, are things that we miss the most about game day. <laughs> I mean, how can I mean, talk. you don't I mean, you can't recreate that sensation of having a 300 pound defensive tackle, mostly 97 percent naked, just slide right across you. So. Um, so those are some game day memories. Let's get to a football question within this and then we'll get to a chicken tender question. But from the three, three, oh, who is one player? You would love to see play meaningful snaps in the next season, but that you don't actually think will play a big role, right? So it's like someone we're excited for, but like, man, I just don't know if it's going to happen the next time we see them on the field, but we think there are great things ahead for them. And hey, maybe it'd be cool if they got to play now. Is there a guy that jumps out for you? And this is good for football talk and because it's like about the future. And, you know, the future's coming, even if the present's messed up. Who is that for you, Nathan? Well, I mean, the obvious answers are someone like I me. Mean, if Paris Johnson doesn't win the right tackle job, then maybe it's Paris Johnson who could be an in- incredible player in college, but maybe doesn't have an immediate role if he's not the starter. And and obviously the quarterbacks too, because if Justin Fields is still playing quarterback, then the other two don't play all that much. Um, but another guy that, that jumped out to me was Court Williams. I mean, it's obviously – I don't know exactly what we're going to do with all these linebackers and, and whether he – is going to have some kind of a gimmicky um, not gimmicky. That's not the right word, but like that specialized hybrid role. If there's some way to use him in that as a true freshman, I doubt it, but he seems like someone who in the long term, I'm really intrigued by not just as what he could be on the football field, but what he could be just, I think in the, his totality with this program. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, this, this, this 2021 class is, is so highly rated battling Alabama for the number one spot. I mean, there's so many guys in this. The 2020 class was really good, obviously. I think it was fifth in the country. Um, but I just still, it's, it's hard for me to not like move to like Jack Sawyer and Travion Henderson when you have a question like this. And that's not what the question is. So Paris Johnson is right up there. I'm, I, I am really curious to see if Paris Johnson is like Orlando Pace or Orlando Pace light or whatever, like some version of, of an offensive tackle that is just different. And you see it early. Like, what if that is it? And But now, so the question of who you don't think, he might play. The next time we see him on the, we see Ohio State take the field, he might take the field as a starter. So we don't know. But if he doesn't, yeah, he definitely will be a starter. Well, that's true. Right. If if Thayer Munford leaves because they don't play till later. Um, But then another guy, and I keep saying this guy, I mean, it's like Dewan Jones. I want to see if Dewan Jones is going to be something. And he is not. I, I don't think there's any scenario where he ends up being a guy this next season, even if Thayer Munford leaves and now it's NPF and it's Paris. I just think Dewan Jones, even though he's older than Paris, he's more raw. He needs more development still. But like, what if this guy who just, I think has a, a, a rare combination of size and, and maybe has the feet to do it and just, you know, has the basketball skills, but as a raw football prospect, like, what if that pops? And that's, a, that's another thing that's great about this job. I mean, people talk about what you miss on game day. I mean, just like the guys, when you start realizing like, well, here's a guy who we don't know. I don't know. Who, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to be an all-time great. Oh, that's cool. You know, and it happens all the time here. It's like, well, we knew Chase Young was going to be good. But again, I mean, people, you know, I talk about it all the time. It's like Jalen Holmes. I mean, he played one game and Jalen Holmes said, I'll bet you five bucks he's going to be the first pick in the draft. And I was like, what? 
you said what? And it's like, well, yeah, he was the first, he was the first non-quarterback picked. And Jalen Holmes knew it the minute he got on campus. And so, like, I didn't know. I mean, it's like, well, Chase Young's going to be good. We all made the jokes. Well, Chase Young looks like he could be in the NFL right then. But you don't know that the guy's going to be a Heisman finalist as a defensive end. And then you watch that whole progress. I say it with James Laurinaitis all the time. He was, he was a backup as a freshman, played in the mission game because Bobby Carpenter got hurt. And then, like, all of a sudden, he's the starting middle linebacker. He's a three-time consensus All-American. And it's like, oh, yeah. I remember when it was like, oh, that was a surprise that James Laurinaitis was going to be the starting middle linebacker as a sophomore. And then he goes on and goes down as an all-time great. Like, I love that stuff, you know, that you're in on the ground floor of greatness. The ground floor of greatness. Buckeye talk. We couldn't put that on a shirt. People would not buy that shirt. They would know it's just good. <laughs> So, I mean, there's always, there's great, there's like great candidates for that, but I can't help. I'm, I'm a little obsessed with, uh, with Dewan Jones at this point. All right. This is a chicken question and I'll let Nathan a- answer the chicken question itself. And then I'll go on a rant and then we'll come back after the break for anybody who wants to stick around for when are they going to play from the six, three, one bone in fried chicken or tenders. Tenders are definitely easier and more dippable, but I feel they lack in flavor. Bone-in chicken for me is juicier and more flavorful on its own. From the 631, Nathan, bones or no bones? So I, I, you probably wouldn't guess it, people who listen to this podcast a lot, because I'm always talking about, for my other opinions, whether it is sometimes cuisine or film or music or other things, I feel like I have like more like bourgeois tastes at, at times. But I'm a country boy at heart, so – Fried chicken is, if not my favorite food, it's like very, very close to like my favorite food. And like well-made full fried chicken is just fantastic. I will eat it multiple times a week if I can get away with it. I don't, but I mean, it, if, if I could, I would. And uh, so I'm, I'm a full chicken guy. I want a full piece of chicken. Like that's, I, ch- tenders are like, it's glorified nuggets. It's, it's helpful when you like you're driving or something like that. Obviously, it's preferable, but if I'm having a meal and I have a choice between real chicken and tenders, I, I think 10 out of 10 times I'm taking real chicken. Why do people love bones? It's not about the bones. It's about the, what, what the texture was saying, about how juicy the meat is, um, how much fl- more flavor the, the, the piece of chicken has than when it's just a tender. But, but what gives it the extra flavor? Is it the bones? I'm not a scientist. I'm not a know. chicken doctor. <laughs> I'm not a chickenologist. I, I do not understand the obsession with bones. It's when, not just the bone. I think there's, I mean, there's a lot more fat. There's a lot more everything. I don't want in fat. There. I'm out on well, fat. But, I mean, the, but, but you're talking about, you know what I mean, though. I mean, like the, the fatty, the juice, the, all the juices. The like crap. The I would like. The flavor. The flavor. No. I think is the word no, I'm well, that's, and, 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 and people know that my, my, tastes here run toward the uh what so bourgeois means fancy or not fancy i always get that mixed up you said you're bourgeois is that fancy yeah, like fancy, fancy yeah bourgeois yeah. is fancy like i like i've always i think i said this podcast before opaque either means you can see through it or you can't see through it and i never know which one it is bourgeois is the same way it either means one thing or 180 degree opposite of the thing and i can never remember which one when you murder my chicken for me, when you murder the chicken, I would like it to be fully murdered. I want you to murder it, take out all the bones, take the part of it that I want to eat, which is the white meat. I don't want any dark meat. I don't want any fat. I don't want any whatever. I don't want ligaments. 
take the white meat and put it in a square and then bread it and fry it. I want the chicken fully dead. When you get a hamburger, do you want a freaking hoof sticking out of it? Or do you just want the meat? And I know people eat ribs. I'm out on ribs too. I don't eat ribs. Yeah, but when you order when you order fried chicken, they don't give you like a, a, a whole bird with like the beak and the feet. It's you're, you're, what do you you're, think you're, a leg is? Something. Yeah, but it doesn't have the the, okay. the foot attached to it. It's not like what? when you get a you're talking about. It's like the difference between a steak and a hamburger. It's two different things. Oh, between steak and a thing, I don't want I don't want a bone in my steak either. I don't want a bone in my steak. I don't want bones. And I'm not going to apologize for not wanting bones. I want you to do all the work. Well, I don't want to have to do the end part of like, well, we killed the chicken, but we didn't totally take it apart. We like plucked the feathers off, but then we basically just kind of ripped it into four pieces and put breading on it. And then like you finish it off. No, I want it finished off before it gets to my plate. So I'm out. And this leads me to the guy in Nebraska who gave the speech about why we call them boneless chicken wings. First of all, his dad, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Google city council dingling gives stupid speech that the internet goes crazy for and it'll come up. His dad is on the city council, all right? So it was not like some guy out of nowhere, like playing a prank. It was like, hey dad, uh, Dad, is it okay if I come to city council tonight and say a joke? Daddy, is that okay with you? His dad's on the city council in Lincoln. And Nebraska brings the guy in to because he's so funny. It's stupid. His hair's stupid. That guy's stupid. Because here's the point. His whole point is, why do we call them boneless chicken wings? How can you have a boneless thing? How can you have a boneless chicken? Nobody calls them boneless chicken wings. Do you call them boneless chicken wings? You call them boneless wings. Call them boneless wings. I call them boneless buffalo wings, right? I call them that a lot, right? Don't you call them boneless buffalo wings? You call them boneless wings? You call them boneless boneless wings. Boneless wings. No one calls them boneless chicken wings. He was making a whole thing about like a boneless chicken. My minor in college was in linguistics. And I like to remind my wife of this. And every time I remind my wife of this, she punches me in the neck. Good. Language is a living thing. Language evolves. And it's okay if language does not mean the exact thing that's the exact description of what it meant when the thing started 50 years ago. It's a pig's, a football, a pigskin is not made of a pig, right? They don't really watch, I wrote a, they don't watch film anymore. It's not a film projector, but you still say I'm watching film. So it's okay. And nobody calls them boneless chicken wings. The guy to make his point had to say like, why do we call them boneless chicken wings? Nobody calls them that. You call them boneless wings or boneless buffalo wings. It's already a a, a colloquialism. So to get all hung up on it, say, dad, hey, dad, I've got a riff about boneless chicken wings, daddy. You think I could come interrupt city council business in the middle of a pandemic and see if I can get on TikTok? That guy's a loser. And he's invited on this podcast for me to call him a loser to his face <clears throat> with his loser haircut. Nobody calls them boneless chicken wings. You call them boneless wings. You know what you're talking about. And the, it's different than nuggets. And it's different than tenders. Because when you call something boneless wings, you are implying 
by the description, by the specific description, Nathan, is this correct or not correct? Does a boneless wing automatically have sauce on it? Yes. Right? Sauce How do or you rub or rub or rub? How do you know that? Does it does a nugget have something on it by definition? No. No. What tells you that it is a boneless piece of chicken that has a rub or sauce on it? What tells you that? The word boneless um, in the description. Well, I, I think the combination of the word boneless and wing. Okay. Tells you something. So the words serve a purpose because when you say boneless wing, there's no dispute. Everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Therefore, the language has worked. And if it is not by the book, the exact description of what that thing is, it's still different than a nugget. It's still different than a strip. Why don't we call them that? Because that's not what the evolution of language has chosen to call that specific brand of food, you long-haired doofus. So if we're gonna if we're gonna go around getting caught up in why things are called things that don't actually describe the features of it, then we may as well just bang our heads against a wall all day because that's what language is. You 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 I hate that guy. I can't even think of a word to well, describe him. But but the word boneless wing serves a purpose because it's descriptive. Every single person who hears it knows exactly what it means, and therefore no one should have a problem with it. Well, we're, and, and we need to talk about the other half of this thing too, though. And I think we're actually going to be on the same page here. And I'm probably we're going to lose subscribers, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm the only person with the guts to say it. The, this this divide that there is in this country, the people who are are bone in wing snobs, need to get over themselves. I hear it all the time. I've got friends who are this way. They're like, they feel like it's a sacrilege if you order a boneless wing, that the only way you can eat something that has the word wing in the name is if you have a bone in wing. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's childish. I think it's petty. And that was the thing that I was annoyed the most, I think, about that speech was that it's this same uh, bullcrap argument that I've heard from a lot of people. Um, I eat both kinds of wings, but this concept that it, you're somehow less of a person if you eat boneless wings, uh, it's nonsense. And that's what perpetuated this whole thing. That's why it caught fire. That's why it went viral because there's a bunch of other bros, a bunch of other sports bros who started retweeting and said, oh, finally the hero America deserves because this doofus went up and made this speech at a city council. Um, I sound like such a Doug Lamerys right now, but I, I, I'm, I'm right, right? Like that's the other part of this. For sure. It's like, it's like this part of culture that has like demonized the boneless wing for no reason. No. And the thing that the, the part of the wing, what the wing really means when you say that, it means the sauce, right? I mean, that's what it is. And now it started as a, as a buffalo sauce. Everybody knows what that means. But then if you get teriyaki or I don't know, whatever kind of thing you want to get, it's fine. But the sauce is implied. That's what makes it different. So that guy is invited to come on here. But uh, dad, can I go on Buckeye Talk? Uh, these guys invited me to be on, but I'm a little nervous because you're not going to be there because uh, my bits only work uh, when I'm saying them to my dad. All right. We'll be back to talk about, ah, uh, we'll be back to talk. God, I hate that guy. What a freaking loser and a nerd. <laughs> I'm so mad. I was mad. I've been mad for a week. And when I found out his dad was on the city council, I'm mad. I'm so mad. Oh, it feels good to be mad. The pandemic of, of all of your vacation of all 
No, it, 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 it like added, it added meaning to my vacation. So I can sit around and stew. <laughs> Just be, oh. Some, oh, something to be angry about. The thing that the pandemic has taken from me the most is the ability to be angry about nothing. Because it's hard to be, I mean, people know I'm a guy, I like to fly off the handle about stuff. You can't fly off the handle at people because we're just like trying to live through a historic hundred year pandemic. So it's like, listen, everyone's doing the best they can, but that guy can cram it. We'll be right back with only talk about, are they going to play? We don't know. Who knows? If you don't want to hear that, stop now. I'll do the song. If you want to stick around for that, we'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. We're going to hit some. We have seven questions. I think we'll get to them all. About what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. We don't know. We didn't cover a game Saturday. There's been no revote. I mean, I, I, we don't have a lot. I'll try to dip into what I think, where my, where my thoughts are at the moment as we go through these questions. It's the same stuff. I wish we could tell you something different, but nothing has changed. So it's the same stuff. And so we're all trapped here together. From the 3-3, three, three, no. From the... 6-3-0. With the Pac-12 commissioner pushing to align its schedule with the Big Ten and possibly have a Rose Bowl, what are the odds that you see this happening? I personally wouldn't be a fan since I'm still hoping for some way the Big Ten starts at some point in October. So Ohio State could make the college football playoff. It's probably a long shot at this point, but I'm still hopeful. Uh, Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, came out, Nathan, in the last couple of days and said that sort of more specifically, right? That he would like to align with that. Although we've been talking about that since like the moment Ryan Day put forward the January plan, the idea of could you have a Rose Bowl in March with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, because I certainly have been operating under the assumption of like, well, why wouldn't they align? They've aligned in everything forever. They're the only two not Power Five conferences that aren't playing. And so not that they have to do the same thing, but I was just sort of like, well, why would one, what would be the world where one would think, yes, it's safe enough to start, but the other one wouldn't? And if you are going to restart in generally the same time frame, of course you would align. So this has gotten like more traction lately. You know, it's been more talked about since Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, said it specifically. But I've been here. I think we've been here for a long time. But what do you think of it at the moment? So there is, I guess, a bit of a semantic argument here, too, between whether Larry Scott's saying, like, this would be great and I really hope we can do it, or whether he's actually lobbying Kevin Warren or other people behind the scenes to do it. There is a difference there. I'm not so sure. I know it's the former. I don't know if it really is the latter. Um, I wrote a piece the other day after this came out, after they made the Pac-12 made their their announcement about this, the, the testing that's going to, they think, help them maybe play football and, and some other sports sooner that they had pushed back to beyond January 1st and basically saying that like the big 10 can't have that that shouldn't even be a thought in the big 10's head right now. If you have a chance to play earlier than that, I think you take it because you can't wait for the PAC 12 right now. And the big problem with the PAC 12 is that they have States right now, California and Washington where they, they cannot practice. Like they can't even do the, the limited, you know, uh, light pads, helmet, workouts 12 hours a week well and only five hours a week is is the workouts but 12 hours a week of stuff that the big 10 teams can do like they can't do that they're they're prohibited from doing anything so they're a lot farther away from having any plausible way to get back on the field and i think if the big 10 were to hold itself back there may be other things holding it back obviously we can go on hours about that but if if they were to hold themselves back just for that just to wait for the pac-12 to catch up i think that would be a huge mistake 
This is a companion question from the 606. I know the national championship is out of the question, but what if we had a traditional Rose Bowl, Big Ten versus Pac-12, assuming the Pac-12 would play their season? This would make the Big Ten games more meaningful if we end up playing. Thoughts, thanks from John. And so I I don't know that anybody disagrees on this, right? The best case scenario is something this fall that allows Ohio State to compete for a national championship. But if they can't compete for if they can't compete for a national championship, like a thing that lets you play in a Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 champ is next best. So it's it, a really good consolation prize. Like if you if if Oregon ends up being really good or USC takes its next step back to relevance even quicker, maybe they have a great season. I mean, the idea of like a Big Ten and Pac-12 undefeated team um, playing in the Rose Bowl in March—that's a good thing. It's not the best thing for the Big Ten, but it would be a good thing for the Big Ten. I just – and there – it just feels like there were sort of a variety of opinions out there about things along the way, and they're starting to coalesce and coalesce, and there's at least a segment on Twitter, and I probably just need to set my Twitter account on fire. It certainly feels like on Twitter – and this is – I mean, this is like Ohio State parents and Ohio State media – that if they can't play for the national championship, the season is worthless. And we, we've talked about this before. I mean, there's a lot of people that are absolutely firing back. Anytime someone brings up this idea, align with the Pac-12, play a Rose Bowl, they say it's stupid. And they say it's meaningless and worthless. And I just think that's wrong. And I think that's a very privileged way to look at things. Like, like my way or the highway, that's it. I understand it. Of course, the chance to play for a national championship is better. But the chance to play some semblance of a Big Ten season, a Big Ten championship, and a Rose Bowl is not nothing. It's not nothing, and it frustrates me when people act like it's nothing. So I think those are – I mean, but of course, yes. I mean, if the point is, like, you're not going to pass up starting in October just as the pac is not ready, right? I mean, of course. If you can go now and get in the national championship race, go now. If you decide we just can't go now, we're not going now, then this is what's next, and that's it. I mean- some of what we're hearing right now from the parents too, and 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 the sympathetic media arm that is, is kind of pushing that narrative, um, I just don't know how much that really resonates beyond the Ohio State fan base. I don't think. I mean, if you're the president of Maryland or um, IU or Purdue or Michigan State, what do you care that Ohio State wants to win a national championship? I don't really know that that needs is going to factor into your thinking at all. I know that in, you can draw a line from that to some kind of revenue for the Big Ten as a whole, I suppose, but I think you've got other more pressing things that are going to always take precedent. I don't, I, I, that, that argument is doing a good job of really riling up this fan base and people around Ohio State. I don't think it resonates beyond Ohio State. But let me ask you if that's fair, because if my Big Ten team has no chance to win a national championship as a president, right, I'm the president of a Big Ten school that is not going to win a national championship in 2020, no matter when we play. Should the fact that someone in your conference does have a chance, if you play earlier and if you play later, they don't, that should be zero? I'm not saying that you're wrong, but is that fair? As the Rutgers president or the Maryland president or the Purdue president, should the idea of... For, of, of course, of course, of course, of course, we've said it a thousand times, safety first, safety first. But shouldn't you factor in, well, wouldn't it be good if the Big Ten could win a national title? We have a contender. Shouldn't that be some percentage of it? I think if you feel like it's not safe to play, then somebody competing for a national championship or not shouldn't be part of the equation. 
but that's not the so question. That's what but, no, but it the is the question. question. No, it is the question because it, it, it shouldn't be the, the, the competition level of any of the teams shouldn't be a factor. It should just be, is it safe to play? If it is, let's play. If it's not, we can't play. I don't, I Do don't you think... believe that you believe it's that simple. Uh, I, I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> I'm okay. sure there's, it's much more complicated than that, but I'm saying that if, I guess if you're putting me, if I, I guess that's the way I would look at it. If I were in that position, that if it it's, you can't, I don't think if you can't compromise what you think is the health side of things in order to get a team on the field. Uh, that's, I, I mean, nobody's asking. So, so, I mean, again, that's not, if you How are, is that, a team, that is what you're asking. No, I'm asking if, so here's, do you believe that this might be the case with some big 10 teams? If you're a big 10 team that has no chance at a national championship and you're looking at playing maybe an eight game, big 10 season, right. And you can either play it, starting sometime in October, you could play it starting in Thanksgiving, or you can play it starting in January, but either way, it's going to be an eight game, big 10 season. And you're going to work with your TV partners to figure it out. But you president of school X, which practically is every school in the big 10, except maybe two, whenever you play it, it doesn't really matter when you play it because all you're planning on is those eight games. There's not going to be a postseason for you. So then your urgency of, well, how much safer is it in October versus November versus January? Well, probably it's safer in January because you'll just have more information, better testing, whatever. And from the competitive standpoint, it doesn't matter because there's no difference for Purdue or Rutgers or Maryland playing in October and playing in January, right? What's the difference? There's none, unless you think there is some. For Ohio State, there's a gigantic difference. So it's not about whether it's safe or not. It's, it's the balance. Everything is the balance. And, if, and teams that think they can win a national title, that factors into the safety discussion. And if you just think, ah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? January safer. That's it. Right? You don't th- do you not think that there might be no, schools I, thinking that way? And if they are thinking that way, is that actually fair to everybody in the conference, mostly Ohio State? So, yeah, I, I guess I, I was hearing the question more like the, the, the choice between playing or not and whether the choice between playing or not should be made with any consideration to someone's national championship aspirations. I would still say no. But in terms of the timing and the way you set this up, that's why I think I've said it and we've said it, that if they can find a way to play this fall, that's one of the reasons why they should try to play this fall. So you think the Rutgers and the Purdue and the Maryland president should be trying to play this fall because of that? To give well, Ohio State – not just because of that, because it's also the, the option that gives you a full 2021, which I still think is a, a hugely important thing that gets overlooked so much when we're having this, these discussions. Like the, the, having anything that starts in like October or November this year potentially gives you a full 12-game 2021 and lets these conferences and these, these teams get back to some normalcy financially. That's what they re- are really going to need uh, over the next 365. And if, if they can't, if, if they have to push into January, it compromises next fall. I think that's a good point to bring up. It's not like there's nothing in it for the other schools to play earlier. That is a good point. Right. But I do think it should factor in a tiny bit that, hey, the school that makes us relevant, we know you think you have a national championship team. And whatever, 2%, 6%. it is, really. I mean, the best team. Somebody's playing. Right. I'm just saying that if for whatever reason, if if, uh, Trevor Lawrence had transferred to – Illinois this past year and so did like right. three other great players and all of a sudden they were national championship contenders the same thing would apply but do you think it's possible that we suck what's the point that's play in January 
might be happening at the suckiest schools. Maybe. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm not – I don't – Maybe. A little bit. I can't – I guess I can't dismiss it. But, again, like I said, I think there's, there's so much incentive all around for them to play as much of a fall season as they can. It's not no, just, I think that's it's right. just Ohio State's national championship aspirations. There are so many other reasons why it would be the way everybody should want to go. If all right. It's safe. I think this is a separate question. I can't remember what we were talking about. From the 267, did I say this one yet? Hey, guys, seeing as there is so much misinformation out there, I was wondering if you guys could just do a quick rundown of what you've heard, what you think is happening, and what you think is false information. I guess I'm more looking for things you've heard from other sources that you tend to believe. At this point, it's like a roller coaster of positive news that doesn't lead to anything. We're not going to pretend we've talked to a million people. I mean, most of the people at Ohio State aren't, I can't, I don't, I don't, I'm talking to me. I don't, they're hunkered down, man. So I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have talked, um, the, the people that I've talked to, I mean, the, um, especially from the, the parental side of things, I think they're as confused as anybody because they're hearing it from all these random sources on, on Twitter and other places, and it's, they're not necessarily getting official news about something that's imminent. At least they're not, they don't say they are. So that tells me that some of these reports about something being imminent are probably not especially accurate. Um, I know that just from doing kind of my my conversations I have with people at Ohio state, just so that I'm on the page of like what's coming next. Um, I've reached out about doing some other things that aren't related to this question and asked if those are going to wait until after this is decided. And they said, maybe, maybe not, which tells me that it might, again, it doesn't sound like they're expecting these, this thing to get answered any moment now. So, and it, there, but there is other on the record stuff. I mean, you know, Gary Barta at Iowa, the the Nebraska AD, uh, Bill Moose, like they've all gone on the record, actual quotes from them saying into a camera or into a tape recorder, like this isn't imminent and October doesn't sound very likely at all. So that's, that's people making the decisions are saying those things to reporters and to actual reporters, credible reporters who's, who have a history of reporting things. So I'll, I'll go by how I think things might be shaking out. A lot of it is me trying to think along with them. A little bit of it is talking to some people about some stuff. Um, I think maybe at the beginning, it certainly seems like the medical presentation was very worrisome to the Big Ten presidents. And I do think I, I listened to Brian Hainline, who's the NCAA medical chief, they keep doing a weekly thing with Andy Katz on the NCAA website where Andy Katz every week talks to Brian Hainline and another doctor and they discuss what's going on. And the most recent one a couple days ago, um, he basically was like, you know, this was a guy, this was a guy for background who around when the Big Ten canceled on August 11th was saying things like there's a very narrow pathway to playing, who was making it sound very dire, very negative, very difficult to try to do it. This is the NCAA medical chief. And that was around the same time that the NCAA canceled all its fall championships. And again, the NCAA runs every championship except FBS football. So they canceled FCS football. They canceled every other sport. They said, we're not doing it. If you need any better sign of where the NCAA was, they canceled everything. If they were in charge of the football playoff, it would have been canceled. That's what the NCAA did. This is the NCAA's medical doctor. Here we are now a month later, and he's saying things like he, he is not disagreeing with what the, Pac-12, uh, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC are doing. He's saying what they are doing is in line with the medical recommendations. He's saying things like people can look at the same information and come to different conclusions. And this was partly Andy Katz's casting, and I think it was, it was very illuminating to me. And the way he asked it, the doctors agreed with it. It's like, 
he asked it more like a second opinion from a medical standpoint. And when you're talking to medical people, that I think is a very good way to talk about it. And that everybody knows what that means. That means a medical person tells you something and you say, well, I don't know. I'm not saying this medical person's an idiot, but I'd like to hear from another medical person. And then you go and ask the second medical person. And sometimes they agree and they confirm the first diagnosis. And sometimes they disagree. So I think if you couch this as, should the Big Ten get a second opinion? I think the initial conversation was very pessimistic about the medicine. Brian Hainline is now saying two things. Since then, A, virus cases have flattened a little bit. I don't think we've bent it down. For some reason, this country has become very accepting of a, of a large number of cases and still a pretty large number of deaths. I know it's not college football. The deaths aren't college students for the vast, 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 most part. I, I understand that. But there's a lot of cases. And again, for a while ago, that's not how we were thinking. But there's an acceptance of cases. But the cases have flattened and the testing's gotten better. Those are the two things Brian Hainline said. Cases flattened, testing better. It feels like to me, if and I tweet, I texted this to the subscribers, 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial. If I was a Big Ten president and Brian Hainline gave that presentation and I had voted to cancel the season on August 11th, I would reconsider. Now, it doesn't mean a thousand percent I would vote to play, but it would open my mind. Things have changed. Maybe you just get more medical people. The people that advised you were a little more cautious. But look, these people are playing. Let's listen to them. It doesn't mean people are wrong. And my God, if we could have a discussion about this without everybody ripping everybody else. But again, welcome to America. I, I just spent 15 minutes ripping the wings guy. So, I mean, like, I don't know if I'm the guy to say, why can't we all get along? But think about it as a second opinion. If I still wrote, God, I don't, I don't write anymore. I just talk on a podcast. I think the Big Ten needs a second opinion. And now that's the thing. When you get a second opinion, it might confirm the original opinion or it might not. Well, but that's, not even that's what I think. That's all I'll say is when we talk about a revote and all that stuff, that's what I think it is. That's what I think could happen. And that's why I think it could change. Because from talking to people, I think the initial discussion was very pessimistic medically. There have been enough real world changes medically. And then also maybe just the people telling you it cast it in a different way. I think the Big Ten needs a second opinion. I think they could get it this week or something. Who knows? And if they get that a second opinion, I think it's possible that it changes their thinking. And just, I always like to remind people, somebody else who said on the first day of preseason camp that it was not yet safe in their opinion to play football games was Ohio State coach Ryan Day. Like there was still a very pessimistic opinion at large in some ways about the, the virus at that point. The other thing is like um, the, just kind of the blame game that's going on. I guess I just, I don't necessarily see how that's been helpful in a lot of ways. And um, it, the, the second opinion thing, it, 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 it's not completely analogous because a second opinion is something you would usually get like on a Monday, somebody told you, you have, um, you have to get this surgery. And then on like Wednesday, you go get a second opinion. Like this is 
a month later now you're, you're getting a second opinion. So it's, it's a completely different set of circumstances. It's like you're going in there with a, and having them look at a completely different body part almost. They're like the, your, your, your symptoms have completely changed. That's what it, it's more analogous to. I understand. I, I see what you're saying. It, it still makes sense, but it's like, it, it, it's, it's been so, so far. And that's why we criticized the decision in the first place was that this was how it was supposed to work. You wait a month or however long it takes, some other teams start playing games, there you get some more data as well, and now you can make a decision based on a completely new set of data. I think it's analogous. I think it's a hard G. Okay. Well, you were the linguist. The linguist. I, I, t- I took three classes in it. Oh my, I hope my wife listens to this one. Of all the dumb things I say, me bringing up my, lingu- my linguistics background is, is her least favorite. I do think I, I would push back on... The, to me, it's more like if someone said, if you said, I have an injury, should I rehab it or have surgery? And they said, I think you should have surgery. I think we'll, we'll just have surgery in six weeks. Okay, we'll schedule the surgery. We can't get you in right now. Also, it's kind of a fresh injury, but I think six weeks well, from now, we'll get you into surgery. And then in the meantime, like everybody around you that you know who has the same injury, not everybody, but other people are rehabbing it and they're rehabbing and they're like, you know what? My rehab's going pretty well. Uh, like I, I thought about having surgery, but I decided to do rehab. The rehab's pretty good. And you're like, hmm, okay, should I still have the surgery? That's where I feel like the Big Ten is. The SEC's rehabbing. It's like, well, I don't know. So, so I, I think there's I – just, I just particularly like the, the second opinion analogy. From the 260, new texter, hey, Buckeye podcast team. This is Matt Marazzi from good old Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hey, Matt. Curious if you guys think it's feasible for some Big Ten teams to move forward with the season, even if that means leaving some others behind. Obviously, it would have to be determined by a vote. But do you see the teams like Rutgers and Maryland offering to abstain from a season? Appreciate the work you guys are putting in during these wild times. Nathan, I just will say, I don't really see it, but I think there is a gigantic difference between the Big Ten's not playing, hey, Ohio State's going to go off on its own and make a schedule. That is very different than, hey, the Big Ten is playing, but five teams decided not to play this year. One is the conference is playing and some teams opt out. The other is the conference decides not to play and some teams go rogue. The first thing, which is what everybody jumped on initially with, is Nebraska, is Ohio State. That was, I think, a non-starter from the get-go because you're going against the league. If you revote and somehow it passes – but the teams that don't want to play, you can't make someone do something. So if Rutgers is like, we voted no before, we're voting no now. Okay, if you guys are playing, we are not playing. But that's a different – it allows Ohio State to go forward in a way that the previous version didn't. I think it's – I still would sort of doubt it, but I think it's much more feasible option two than option one. Yeah, the option two is definitely more likely than option one. And I don't know that I believe that it would be – as many as five teams there. Actually, I think you do start to get into a point where I wonder if people would, if, if the powers that be would feel like that's too much of a fracturing of the conference to move forward. I don't know, but if it's just one team, like Rutgers is the best example in some ways, like a team that doesn't have a lot to play for. And, but more importantly than a team that's been a state that's been really slammed by this, um, or at least was early on and has had, has had issues with it. Like a state like that, like, maybe they just step aside for this season. They say, look, we just can't get it done. We can't, we're not, we don't feel right going forward. Um, that I could totally see happening. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying I could see it happening. Question from the 405. It's Carl from Oklahoma City. What's up, Carl? 
How much bearing will the past two weekends of non-Power 5 football games have on the Big Ten reconsidering their decision to postpone fall football? Presumably, the Big Ten has far more resources to test and administer protocols than Central Arkansas and UAB. So we are seeing some games. We haven't seen, like, big-time Power 5 games yet, but uh, Army played against Middle Tennessee State, a couple games sprinkled in right. What do you think effect that, that – What if any – effect does that have? I don't know if it's going to have necessarily a huge effect, just the, the not having football, because um, if, if, even if the, even if the big 10 had still been on a trajectory to play this past week, they have a couple of teams that if everything else had played out the way it did in real life, wouldn't have been playing this week. Iowa wouldn't have been playing this week. Maryland wouldn't have been playing this week. Those are two because teams of positive tests in because those of positive tests in those athletic departments. Yeah. Uh, Iowa was football, Maryland. It was with the whole athletic department not really i don't think it actually was any football players but they shut everything down so the, it's it's still happening within the big 10 i think there still would have it's it's what should have happened the day that they canceled what what should have happened what we said should have happened was there should have been a delay which means they wouldn't have been playing this weekend anyway but so, would, but, it, but watching teams play football games has an effect or no that that a, that a college football game was played and i know central arkansas played and is playing again and they came out of that game with no positive tests that has a, an effect on the big 10 presidents I or think, no i think that has i think the result that's the question think, okay well well but I, I i i guess i misinterpreted the question i thought they were saying like just the the existence of these games like the the the, the public uh, affection for football and the, the people missing it or whatever would have an effect. I think that this has much more of an effect, like watching the games, because that was, again, that was the whole point to delay. You let other conferences start if they want to, and that gives you more data to go by. And right now, if you're seeing team after team, after team, after team, come back and not have spikes, that I think is, is further evidence for a, a president that wants to vote yes and get back on the field. Now I will say the other thing you always have to balance it with. And I know people think we're, I, they call me Debbie Downer, but it's like Tennessee was supposed to have a scrimmage on Saturday. Tennessee didn't have a scrimmage on Saturday. Like this, this, you know, the rice is talking about having to push back its whole season because of partially because of just the, the COVID situation in, in Houston in at large. So, I mean, there are still some hot spots out there. There's still some, some places where it's not good and it is affecting college football teams. So you have to be looking at both of those right now. SMU TCU pushed back its game that was supposed to be played this coming weekend. They pushed it back. Right. That's another one. Um, and the Tennessee 44 positive or for 44 players out of practice at Tennessee for a variety of things, some for positive tests, some for contact tracing issues, huge thing. And that's the thing that's keeping important. That is important to keep in mind. And I think Carl from Oklahoma city, you're, you're on the right track with this. I think initially when the big tens postponed, they thought we'll postpone and everybody will follow. When people didn't follow, I think it was like, well, we'll postpone and now let's see how they do. So, of course, I mean, it's not, yes, I mean, it's not pomp and circumstance. Oh, no, football is on TV and it's not the Big Ten. It's can you do it successfully? But if you think that, like, everybody is rolling along and there's no problems, that's wrong. Games are being pushed back. But if you think, oh, it's both. And there are some people who retweet only the bad COVID news. And there are some people who treat, retreat only the good COVID news. Yeah. But the realistic truth is Notre Dame, which was a crap show on campus for a while, tested football players this week. No positive tests. That's great. Tennessee had 44 players out of practice. Yeah. Texas State played a game with no tight ends. So there, you can't, I think the Big Ten presidents, or not the presidents, but they're the people under them who are watching and telling them, they're telling them all that stuff. And as soon as you say, look, games were played successfully. Oh, that's interesting. But there's Tennessee. 
but a game was pushed back, but a team played with no tight ends. That factors in. And just for everybody listening out there, yes, people are pushing through and being able to play, but it's across the board. Nobody thought like every program would have 50 positive tests every week. You knew there were going to be some problems, but there are some problems. No, and you have like, to remember that. Yeah, it was something that I was, I wrote about it and we talked about it, about how it, I don't think the, the, what people thought was like the big 10, just not wanting to go back on its decision. I, I, we talked about it. Like if, if you were a big 10 president who voted no before and you saw all those things, you might still vote no for the same reasons. Um, and the other thing I wanted to bring up about the Tennessee thing was Jeremy Pruitt said, I think it was what, like, it really was only a handful of active cases, like six or eight active cases that turns into 28, 44. I can't remember what exactly the two numbers were. I know 44 was the biggest number and there was some number in the twenties that was one that was were directly related to COVID because of the contact tracing. And the day that the big 10 put out its schedule, it also put out its guidelines for how to handle COVID this fall. And that was the thing that really just like jumped out and slapped me in the face that day was like, how do you play a season with the, the contact tracing rules that they have? Cause you, you know, anybody with close contact to somebody who tests positive, it's a mandatory 14 day um, quarantine. So that, that we're seeing some of the, we're seeing the, the good and the bad, the best and worst case scenarios are kind of playing out. Not worst case scenario. Cause unfortunately there haven't been any hospitalities or deaths or whatever, but in terms of actually putting a team on the field, worst case scenario. Last two from the 614. Twitter has made it seem like a Big Ten return to play is imminent. Is there any truth to the rumors of a possible revote? And do you think the conference is starting to move in the direction towards playing in the fall? So this is what I think. I'm not going to – nobody's told me anything. I, I, I honestly – I mean, I, I, this is what I think this is, right, Nathan? Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin Athletic Director, is the chairman – of the Big Ten's Return to Competition Committee. And that is a committee, a subcommittee, that is tasked with gathering more information so that at some point the presidents can decide what is the plan going to be. They do not have a plan for when they're going to play football again. So my interpretation, let's call it, because it's not based on talking to anybody. But Barry Alvarez was at a big tent, was at a, a board of regents meeting in Wisconsin talking about all this stuff. This is a fact that this sub board actually. This subcommittee exists, and their job is to gather information to present to the presidents and chancellors to answer more questions, the questions they had when they canceled on August 11th. And then they're gonna decide what to do next. So I think that's what the re-vote is. It's what's the plan. So when they get this information, which is, you know, medical stuff has changed in the last month, then they're going to say, well, let's play in January. Well, let's play at Thanksgiving. Or maybe they'll say, let's play in October. And if we're going to play in October, who's in and who's not? So like the idea of, I don't think they're like changing their mind exactly. I think they're taking the next step in the process of, when are we going to play, which has not been decided, which they have to do at some point. And maybe, maybe, I don't know what small per chance, what small percent chance people keep asking me. People said, a texter said, gun to your head. Do you think they play? Does Ohio State play for a national title? Are they in the mix? And I said, gun to my head. No, no. I just, there's too much. It's too hard. You're turning a boat, 
right? I think you're turning a boat. You're not turning a motorcycle. I just think it's maybe too hard to turn the boat to get this play in in October. I don't think it's impossible, but my assumption, Nathan, is that's what this is. So like reports of a revote, I think they just have to talk. They're getting more information. And when they get the information, they'll figure out what their plan is. And maybe the plan is play in October. Maybe I, I just I'm 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 still skeptical again of that playing in the first half of October. I think sometime in October, but, but is plausible. But do you think that's the framework of the discussion, or do you think they're actually like revoting on like what? Part of this is the process, right? And I do agree that like Twitter can make it feel imminent. I feel like this is just moving along the way it always was going to move along, though. Well, right. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's the day, you know, they, 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 when they canceled the season, they called it a postponement. So which left open the possibility of playing football again at some point when they had a week later, they put out their open, uh, Kevin Warren put out the open letter. He said that he was forming the committee subcommittees. They've been at work since then. I know it hasn't been happening as fast as people want, but again, I also don't know that I, I don't know that, that the speed would have helped this get to where it needs to go also at this point. I mean, if you, if, if you'd wanted an answer sooner, the answer would have been no. It's what we were saying back in August, right? Like the, the answer was more likely to be no, the earlier you wanted it. So I think, again, as you're, as you're, as you're gathering more medical data, as you're watching these other conferences play out, and if those go in the right direction, it makes it more likely to get back to football. It may make it more likely to go back to football sooner. I'm still skeptical about early October just because, again, what I just said about Iowa and Maryland, like even if they were leaning that way last week, now those things pop up and it pushes that back. Like if you're, if you're Iowa's president right now and you voted yes the first time, but your team literally isn't practicing right now, how do you vote? I just think it's the idea. I, I agree with the idea that Twitter can make it feel imminent, but I, I, my assumption is I don't think they're like rushing a vote to say, well, let's see if we can get back on the, to we have to vote because we're trying to get back on the field by October 10th, which is the date that Twitter keeps throwing out there. I think it's more like we're going to vote. We're going to discuss it when the information is gathered. And then once the information is gathered, we'll see what the most feasible options are both medically and logistically for one that we might play again. And if it feels medically safe and, and logistically as possible, then maybe they'll start sometime in October. I, I don't think it's going to be October 10th. I mean, I, I think just, which leads us, which leads us into the last question from the 513. Could you do five minutes on the Michigan uh, players and parents March fans March? It was a protest March on Saturday and Jim Harbaugh being there and him saying the president doesn't return his texts and emails, the sports illustrated article about how the unit, the Michigan president is the one holding everything up. And the Tom Mars quote saying that some Big Ten presidents don't talk with their boards before making their vote. That's Scott in the 513. And this will also get back to a thing that we didn't answer before about um, some of the misinformation that is, that is out there. And I, and I want to get into that because I want to have a final point on that. But I did think the Michigan March was interesting. Um, I, I think it would have been more effective if they could have gotten all, you know, if all the Big Ten schools and all the Big Ten parents would have marched on the same day. Uh, but it's good that Michigan parents got out there and, and, um, we're supporting the same cause that Ohio State parents and Nebraska parents and Iowa parents have been supporting all along. I did think it was interesting that Harbaugh was there. What did you think of everything that unfolded in Ann Arbor on Saturday, Nathan? Well, I, I do think it's important to clarify. Harbaugh didn't say that the president doesn't return his texts and emails. He said that the only communication he's had with the president was text and emails, and he hadn't had a meeting with him or hadn't had – Hadn't like, talked. I like, hadn't, hadn't talked, talked on the phone or in person. I still think that's really bad. 
by the way. I still don't know how you don't set up a conference call between the football coach and the AD and the president to, to have a conversation about this. I'm actually writing about that for my Monday Madness column for Monday morning. Um, I, 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 you know, that, that's what struck me. Like that's what it struck. That struck me. The thing with the Penn state doctor last week where the information was wrong, that wasn't even the, the most interesting thing to me in that whole thing. To some extent, it was the part in there where he said, well, I haven't actually talked to the president about this. I'm like, well, if you're the president of Penn state and you don't go ask your director of, of, um, of athletic medicine, whatever they call him, if you don't talk to him about whether or not it's safe to play football during a pandemic, why do you have one of those? Like, I don't know what's going on at some of these campuses. I think Kevin Warren got vilified for not bringing everybody together the right way. And I don't know how much he's supposed to play matchmaker on each of these individual campuses for the information that these people should be sharing on their own. That's what's really confusing to me. I guess, let me ask you this. What would Jim Harbaugh say if he talked to the Big Ten president? We want to play? Probably can- the same things he says in his texts and emails, but you know as well as I do that you made this argument when we were having this discussion about whether or not Kevin Warren needed to bring everybody into the room together, that it is different if you put everybody in the room together, right? Um, at this point, I think, the, I think the presidents know their coaches want to play, right? I don't – I don't think they're not playing because they don't know that Jim Harbaugh wants to play football. I just, I think a lot of stuff can get blown and out of proportion and spun a little bit. Right. Um, The, the, the Michigan president who is an epidemiologist, who is a medical doctor is not going to change his mind because Jim Harbaugh wants to play football or or because Jim Harbaugh says it's safe. Right. He should talk. I mean, the Penn State president should talk to the, the medical people in the sports department of Penn State. The Michigan president, plus the Michigan president talks to Ward Manuel, who talks to Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. I, but the other I, half of that is there seems to be real confusion from some of the coaches as to why they're not playing. And I think maybe that's the other thing that isn't happening there. It's not so much what Jim Harbaugh would necessarily be saying to the president. What is the president fully explaining his position as to why they're not voting to play? I think that's a good point. That's a good point. It probably would lessen than what Harbaugh says when he's marching you know if, if if he would have had something explained to him by the michigan president so um I'll, I'll leave with this um i'm frustrated by people who i think are manipulating the situation and the big 10 is allowing itself to be manipulated by being so silent and being so and fumbling this so po- so badly and handling it all so poorly um People are referencing the Sports Illustrated article. I mean, Sports Illustrated is a shell of what it once was. It's it, not it, Sports Illustrated anymore. It's just a name. It's, it's just it's a name. It's almost revolting to hear Sports Illustrated referred to in these conversations. I, go, I, I was going to say go read that, but please don't. But the only <laughs> like, point is it, we're, we're not trying to tear anybody down. We're just trying to say if there was a time where you attached credence to a story because the Sports Illustrated name was on it, it's just not in the same place. It's not the same people. It's not the same fact-checking. It's not the same uh, standards. journalistic standards. Um, and it so literally, the, that, that report literally started with a little, a little birdie. birdie. But listen, I, mean, I don't even think people know this. I mean, the guy who wrote that is a very conservative political talk show host. I mean, that's like, that's like his full-time job, and he's a Michigan fan, and he does this also. And I'm not denying his right to write about Michigan football however he wants to write about it. I'm not denying anyone's right to read it. But you have to come at it, and it's not like Sports Illustrated is putting a disclaimer on it. The, the thing that happens, I think, a lot of times in, in the world now is that people think there are 
it's people think there are political motivations in situations when often it's that the the person is bringing their own political motivation into the situation and then if what you're reading or hearing doesn't match your politics then you think that person is being political when it's like no we're just not being as political as you are being which isn't really the point here that person is political he's a conservative political talk show host successful and he writes about michigan football so i you just need to know that and sports illustrated is not telling you that you need to know that when you read that story that person is coming into the situation with a point of view and we all come in with our own point of views but that is a very specific point of view right so a lot of people have referenced this and taken it as gospel that this is how it's happening, that this, that the Michigan guys, the Michigan president's holding it up. Listen, he's a scientist. I mean, of course, his personal experiences and his understanding of the medical issues is going to factor into his decision-making. You just also need to know that story that everyone is referencing is written by a person who has a, a very strong point of view as well. Tom Mars is a lawyer who's very involved with college sports. You can go find a story that Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, and Pat Forty is works at Sports Illustrated, but he's like the old time Sports Illustrated person. That is someone who is a, a journalistic person down the middle. I know there's people listening to this who don't like Pat Forty. Pat, Forty, Pat Forty doesn't need the Sports Illustrated name he to was already established. bolster his journalism credentials, right? So, but I, I'm not really trying to, the point is he wrote a story five or six weeks ago where Tom Mars, the famous lawyer involved with sports issues, the guy who's putting out FOIA requests, everybody, said that if the SEC or the ACC or these schools, these conferences, if they do play, they're going to get their pants sued off. You can go, I'm paraphrasing. But he was talking about suing the conferences that play. And now Tom Mars is suing the conferences that aren't playing. So you just have to keep in mind. Now, listen, he has clients. He represents his clients. Tom Mars is not, coming at this from a genuine place well he's, he's a coming, hired he's at, he has an agenda he's not he coming at has, it from an objective place no and so but just keep in mind go read the quote of threatening to sue the people who are playing and a week later he's on the other side because that's what lawyers do so like i just don't i just reminding you so Tom Mars is saying that some Big Ten presidents didn't talk with their boards before making this vote. Lawyers say stuff to make their sides sound good. And I'm not saying that we're infallible. I'm just, if you're pointing, if you come and say, what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm just reminding people and, and the guy on Twitter who makes, who makes up a new claim every hour, a very specific claim that never comes true at what point when the 20th thing that he said is going to happen on this day at this time doesn't happen, how many times does it have to happen before you realize he doesn't know what he's talking about? There are people who are manipulating the situation and that happens all the time. But I would just advise you to not let them lead you down a path that is a path built on their own hopes and self-interests. And I would not let them get your hopes up in a situation when they absolutely have an agenda. And so I'm not saying we're perfect. We're doing the best we can. We aren't breaking news for squat. Listen, we're reacting to everybody else. 
God bless the people who are out there getting better sources than we have and reporting stuff. I'm not out here to rip real journalists who are trying their best to report the story. I'm just trying to advise you to be careful because there are people, because the Big Ten allowed it, who are manipulating things for their own gain. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I had some really great conversations on text this past week. Or I think I was probably more active on there. A lot of times that's one of your a role that you have more, but I was doing it a lot more this week. And I, it was like my favorite part of the week was getting in there and chatting with people. And I was getting a lot of questions, like multiple times I got questions where people would send me sort of a list of real journalists and ask like, why do these people, why do these people not want to play football? Why do they have this anti-football agenda? But then <laughs> they also then I think lump in the people you're talking about who sometimes are just throwing out things that sound optimistic but are not based on any actual reporting and they're giving that more credibility and I think uh it's up to you guys that are listening to this to some extent like it's it's in your hands a little bit like um make 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 journalists show their work and um be um be judicious about what you decide to believe I think at the moment, the people who are mostly getting their information from Ohio State are more optimistic about playing earlier than the national or conference-wide reporters who are talking to people around the conference. And I think that's because Ohio State wants to play. And I'm not saying that's like wrong. It's just sort of like the, the tilt of the view. And so if you are of course, you're an Ohio State fan. You're, you're absorbing a lot of, of information that is sort of Ohio State-based. And then if you hear somebody who might be also talking to people at Rutgers and Northwestern and Michigan State and Indiana and Purdue and Minnesota and all these places that have a vote that is just as meaningful as Ohio State's vote, and they are not as optimistic about playing, it's just because they're talking to different people. It's not because they don't want to play. But you need to realize there are other schools in this conference who are far less interested in getting back on the field by October than Ohio State is. We've established that. We know that Ohio State, Iowa, and Nebraska want to play yesterday. We know there are a lot of schools that are much more cautious than that. So what's going to happen next? I don't think it's impossible. I think people can change other schools' minds. I think mostly it's the medical evidence. And again, I do think the medical evidence has moved towards more towards playing in the last month. And I, I, don't, I don't think anybody would dispute that, right? Medically, Nathan, right now, it seems more feasible to be playing than it did a month ago, right? Do we, does everybody agree with that? It certainly doesn't seem any worse. And I think, yeah, it's, it, I think it is better. So it could change. We're not here to tell you it is going to change. We are here to tell you it does make sense that they're going to reevaluate at some point and vote at some point on what the plan is going to be. And maybe some slim chance we've given percent chances before. Maybe it could be in October. I I don't know if that helped. Again, every time we talk about it, I end it by saying, and so maybe there'll be a decision this week, but I just would be cautious This is in the president's hands. I think the presidents are being pretty circumspect about this, um, as they should be. There is a lot going on. And so there will be a vote at some point. Um, But I just, the presidents are not on the same timetable as the people whose whole livelihood is wrapped up in football. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it's true. So um, that's where we are. Here's what I would like to do. Nathan, are you up for this? For the Wednesday pod, I would like to do college football tiers. Not tiers. Oh, (laughs) T-I-E-R-S. Or we could do tiers and tiers. We could do both. 
T-I-E-R-S. And I would like to put, I would like to establish the tiers. How many of them are there? Are there four, five, eight, ten? I would like the three of us to assign all Power 65 teams into the tiers that we decide upon. And then I would be very interested in placing the Big Ten programs in the tiers that we decide upon and having our tech subscribers give their opinions on that because I think that will help tell us something about this decision-making process. Because we kind of know, right? We know. But if it's like, oh, man, there really are six Big Ten teams in Tier 9. Wow. No wonder they're not, right? I mean, I think you have to – it will help us – understand the different viewpoints in this conference. So are you, if we do that Wednesday, are, are you in or do you want to come up with a different idea? No, I'm in. All right. We'll do that Wednesday. We'll come up with something else for Tuesday. And as soon as something happens, whatever it is, good luck to the people who are reporting things that happen on a specific date. If they are, if they are right, we will credit them like crazy. And if, if they're wrong, I mean, you know, stuff happens. So in the meantime, We'll keep talking. We'll keep texting at 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial. We'll take your reviews at Apple Podcasts. And please come read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Thanks for listening to this one. If you dropped off in the first half, you're not hearing this. If you hung on for the whole thing, we appreciate it. For Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.